Hey, it is good to be with you today. Put your hands together for Joby hosting today. Good job. <laughs> Worship team did awesome. Um, my name is Nathan. If it's your first time here, welcome. I'm the lead pastor. It is so good to have you here. We welcome you here at Revolution. I would love to get to meet you again out these double doors after service. But today, we're in the middle of our habit series, and I'm going to get to a habit in a second. But I want to do a little celebration. Um, some craziness happened here last weekend about 6 o'clock to 8.30ish. If you would have drove by the building, you would have saw some wild, wild things, a little bit like this. You know, we, had some, we had a student night going on. We had this. We had about 60 kids here. That's awesome. We can clap for that. That's 60 kids. We had about 23 adults, and it was amazing, and my favorite picture is right here. I love this. We're all about the next generation, and as we're on this search of looking for our, our next student pastor, we just made a hire for a kids pastor we'll announce next week or next couple of weeks. We're so excited because God's moving in the next generation, and we know God's going to continue to move, and I love these pictures of worshiping. And here's what's awesome. Some of you were there helping, and some of you weren't, but all of us were a part of it because even if you weren't there, your generosity, your generosity made this possible. Generosity is a spiritual habit, a spiritual attribute that we should have, and generosity it gives to God. It says, God, I want you to take this, and I want to partner with you in your mission, and so many of you are so generous, and it allows us to do things like that. And before we get I just want to remind you, you can give online, you can give on the app, or you can give through the double doors on the left here. But again, your generosity partners with God and says, God, do what you want to do. And God moved last week. And so we have another one coming up in December. Continue to pray for our student pastor and our children, our kids pastor that's coming on as well, because God's moving already. So let's put our hands together for God moving, and then we'll get rolling. All right, ho- ho- I want you to hop in a time machine. I want you to jump back about eight years ago. And I want you to jump to the beautiful year of 2014. 2014, the number one movie, or one of the number one movies was Captain America Winter Soldier. They've been making Avenger movies for like 15, 20 years now. And they keep going. I think the number one song was Happy by Pharrell Williams. I'm not going to sing it, but it's happy. But also, across the nation, something was going on. And the little strip malls everywhere and, and malls everywhere, little bu- businesses were opening and they were the escape rooms. Everybody remember the escape rooms phase? Anybody do it? Have you ever done an escape room? Some of you, right? And so let me remind you what an escape room is. Um, it's a waste of money. No, I'm just kidding, right? But 2014, it's like they went from a couple hundred in the, in the country and they went over like three or 4,000 in a span of a few years. And they were everywhere. And you would pay, this, pay with a group of friends to go to this room and they would lock you in. And there'd be like a cute little theme. It'd be like Cabin in the Woods or on the beach or shipwreck or something Egyptian. I don't, I don't know. But you would pay to do it and they would lock you in this room and you would have your friends and they would give, they would give you like these riddles or these puzzles and you would have to escape the room as fast as possible. Anybody ever done that? Some of you? It's not my jam. I would rather be stuck in the middle of nowhere, give us some beef jerky, Gatorade and weapons and see who comes back home. That's my type of escape room. But they, they had these other ones with puzzles and I have dyslexia, so numbers and puzzles and little things. I, I went with a group of people one time, and I was, the not, I was not the smartest one in the room, right? I was not. I was probably the dumbest one. And, like, they're all moving forward, and I got, like, this little thing trying to figure out this number. And, like, I worked on it for, like, 30 minutes, and they're like, yeah, that's not even part of the room. Like, what's going on here, right? Like, so I did nothing, but I said that day. I said, one day, I'm not, I'm not going to waste my money on this, so one day 
I'm going to talk about escape rooms as a sermon illustration, and I'm going to make it a reference to our lives, and today is your lucky day. We're going to do it. This has been sitting since 2014, so it better be good, all right? So here we go. 2014, I realized something about these escape rooms. One, they cost a lot of money for me to do nothing. Two, that we live life, especially when it comes to emotions, trapped. And why people love escape rooms so much is I think we're used to being trapped. We're trapped in situations. We're trapped in seasons. We're trapped in emotions. We're trapped in stages of life. And you can call those rooms, if you will. And so today, as we're looking at this series, Habits, and we're looking at building habits and breaking habits, I want to look at a habit or a room, if you will, that I think, I know, if you allow it to, can change your story. And it's a room that is going to be either you struggle with it quite a bit or someone you love struggles with it quite a bit. And typically how it goes is if you're married, one of you struggle with it a lot and the others of you, other person does not struggle with it at all. So here's the room today. The room of, finish it for me, anxiety. The room of anxiety and the room of worry. So here's what I want to ask you. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you if you have anxiety. Here's what I want to ask you a better question. How many of you know someone who has anxiety or worry problems? All right, everybody's hands should go up. And so the, the world has shown us, the science has shown us, psychologists have shown us in the last 80 years. So 80 years, do you think 80 years ago is a long time, right? 80 years ago, though, was around World War II was happening. 80 years ago, in the span of 80 years, JFK assassination. There were world war, there was other wars going on. There was wars in America. There was 9-11. There was the 08 money crisis. There was COVID in 2020. And now there's all the craziness happening. And so what that, that, that 80 year span has shown us is, is that every decade, every few years that we were doing studies of, of Americans, even though we're the wealthiest country, most successful country, that we're the country that has the most anxiety and the most worry. And that's just talking about big issues. That's not even talking about your personal issues. So you start talking about your personal issues and all the things going on, it kind of makes us ask this question. Can I really escape anxiety? Is there a way to live life not paralyzed and trapped and stuck in my worry and my anxiety and all of my feelings and all these things going on? Is there a way to live that way? My answer is yes. And I know I'm just some dude that some of you know or don't know that's wearing purple pants, right? I get it. Like, do I believe him? So I, I've studied this. My wife is a mental health therapist. She's, she's dedicated her life. We're paying for a lot of schooling for this, right? So I've talked to her about this. I've read the Bible. And through my conclusions is, yes, you can. You can escape anxiety. Now, I'm going to give you a little, just pin that. I'm going to come back to that. So here's the habit today. We want that habit of not letting anxiety trap you. Everybody say trap. Trap. Because I said trap because trap, I think, is a great term to use when it comes to anxiety because it traps us. It feels like we can't move. It feels like we can't think. It feels like we can't get past this situation. We're just trapped. And I believe today we can build a habit of not letting anxiety trap us. But let me say this. When it comes to anxiety and worry, we're all over the spectrum. Some of you, and Christians, we got to talk about this. Some of us, it's okay. We need medicine and we need a counselor. You know what? That's all right, right? And some of us were like, hey, I don't worry about anything, right? You're way over here. You're not worried, but everybody else is worried about you. 
And some of us in the middle, we just need to have a little bit more trust and faith. But whatever your partnership or whatever your experience with is, an anxiety, and this can really go for any mental health, depression, bipolar, anything. Just because medicine or, you know, medicine, you need medicine or don't need medicine doesn't mean other people don't. So how you handle it may not be the same way other people handle it. And so when I say we're not letting habit, uh, anxiety trap us, building a habit of not letting trap us, here's what I mean. We're going to still have worry. You're going to still worry. You're going to still have anxiety. But you don't let the, have to let it cripple you. It doesn't have to define you. Matter of fact, if you define yourself as someone who's an anxious person, that's, what Satan, that's where Satan wants you. He wants you to label yourself. He wants to label you that so you can never get untrapped from it. Right? So we're going to have it. We're going to struggle with it still. Or we're just not going to let it trap us. We're just not going to let it define us. We're not going to let it paralyze us in life anymore. So I want to give you the definition. This is not my definition, but this is the Webster's Dictionary definition of anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling of worry. Right? That's why I'm going to use the word worry a lot. It's a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. I like that word feeling because feeling means it starts up here. It's something we thought. It's something that we think. And so when it comes to anxiety, some of us, it's a, it's a thought, but then it becomes a physical thing, and we shake, and we have panic attacks. But for other people, it's just like, it's just right here. It's in my mind. And I read this book recently called Winning the War in Your Mind. And he said this, the author says, we need to think about what we think about. We need to think about what we think about. And here's what he goes on to say. He says, Here, when you think about your thoughts, your thoughts are constant. All of you right now, you're thinking something. You might be thinking like, hey, I hope this guy gets over before lunch. You know, I'm hungry, right? Or, but your, con- your thoughts are constant. You're always going, always going, always going. Your thoughts are powerful. The, your, your life is moving in the direction of your thoughts. As you think, your life goes, right? And then thoughts can lie. That's the thing about emotions. Emotions can lie to us. They can make fake things seem real. They can make situations that aren't a big deal seem way bigger. They can lie. And and they matter because they matter because they're taking up real estate in our mind. And often our thoughts are going to guide us. So they're constant. They're powerful. They can lie and they matter. And what's amazing about this is God knew. God knew that most of our battles or some of the biggest battles in our life are going to start in our minds. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, who who wrote many letters, he says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. It's like, what are you talking about? And then he gets into it. He says, and we take what? Captive every thought. Take captive every thought and we make it obedient to God. He's like, you have to think about what you think about. You have to think about what is going on in my mind when I'm anxious, when I'm worried. What is going on up here? Because what is going on out here often comes out and it plays itself out in your life. And so often we're trapped in our thoughts and we're trapped in our mind. And so we find ourselves in a room like me trying to get out of an escape room, figuring this little puzzle out, but you can't get out of it. Like I'm stuck. Paul says, you got to start thinking about what you think about. So I, wanna, I want you to think about this. What's on your worry list? What do you worry about? So this week, I, I kind of answered that question. So naturally, I don't worry. So that means the other person in my house worries a lot more, right? She worries for me. She worries about things I don't even worry about for myself, right? And so I don't, I don't think I'm anxious. I don't think I, I'm not much of a worrier. So I started thinking about the last couple of years, what do I worry about? So I started writing it down. I was like, one, anybody else ever worry about money? I worry about money sometimes. You know what else worry? Big, big worry. I worry about church. 
right? The last church I came from, I worry about this church. I worry about the growth of the church. I worry about you guys. I worry about, hey, what's going on here? I worry about that all the time. It takes up a lot of real estate in my mind. I worry about, am I a good enough husband? Am I, am I, am I falling short? Am I a good enough person? Am I a good enough minister? And then October 7, 2001, about 8 p.m., right when I was getting ready to watch Thursday Night Football, about nine-pound baby girl popped out of her mother's womb. And I haven't stopped worrying a day since, right? It's like, I worry about everything. Like, she came into my, my life, and it was like that, that freight train of anxiety, it just ran me over, right? And I worry about her all the time. And I don't even consider myself someone who worries. Most of the time, I don't worry. But that's my list. So what's on your list? What do you worry about? You worry about money? Like, am I ever going to get out of debt? Like, I went to college, and I paid how much for this? And I make this much? It doesn't quite line up. Am I ever going to get out of debt? Dave Ramsey, bro, you're not helping me. Come, let's make this happen faster. Where are your envelope system at, right? Am I going to get out of this? Single. If you're single. Am I always going to be single? Like, is there any good dudes out there? <laughs> are there any good women out there? I don't know, right? Married people are like, is it always going to be like this? And how long is it going to be like this? High school, college. What am I going to do after school? What college am I going to get into? Do people like what I wear? Am I cool enough? Like, am, am I on the basketball team or sports team, but am, am I good enough? Like, are people going to make fun of me because I'm sitting the bench? Like, what are you worried about? I don't know what you worry about, but here's the reality. There's always something to worry about, isn't there? You know, if you're not worried, someone will worry for you. There's always something to worry about. So I want to take you to an ancient question. Preach, I mean, asked by Jesus, it's not my question, but he preached this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and he, and he gave all these things, and he talked about all these things, but in the middle of the sermon, he starts talking about worry, and this is what he asks, it's like, dude, what an insensitive question, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life, and to that we say, no, no right, Jesus like, what, but what a sensitive, unsensitive question, like, it's not very, it's not a very nice question, can any of you worry by adding a... Can any of you, add, you know, any of you who are worrying add a single hour to your life? Meaning, can you do anything with the worry in your life? Does worrying change anything? Does it ever fix your circumstance? Anybody? No. It doesn't fix anything. But here we are. And when someone says not to worry, what do you do? You worry even more. So he's like, can worry do anything? And maybe you're like me. You're like, I love Jesus. I'm faithful. I trust him. I trust him with my life. But I still worry. I still have anxiety. I still get trapped sometimes. Anybody there? Like, it? So what are we to do? That's what I want to talk about today. And I wish I could give you a 10-step process and say, hey, follow these 10 steps. You'll go home and you'll never worry again. Unfortunately, I'm not Dr. Phil. I cannot do that for you. But I can do something better for you. I can point you in the right direction. I can point you to the right direction, the first step, the first step that makes all the other steps possible. You may leave here today with anxiety and worry, and you still, you may come here with anxiety and worry, and you may leave with it, but at least I'm giving you applicable step. You may still need medicine and a counselor, and that's okay, but what we're going to look at today, if you do not apply to your life, if you do not take this step, my, my promise to you is you will always live somewhat trapped by anxiety. So I want to take you to a letter. I want to take you to a letter written by a man named Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. He was like the disciple. 
He's my favorite disciple, like, because he, he, he's a guy who said things all the time. And Jesus like, hey, Peter, be quiet. And then when Jesus is getting arrested, what does he do? He cuts a soldier's ear off. Like, that's the type of friends I want. Like, you come at me, I want someone cutting someone's ear off, right? That's Peter. And then, and then one time he was walking on water, and, they, and he, well, he saw Jesus, and he steps out of the boat, and he starts walking on water, and then he notices he's walking on water, and what happens? He worries, and he gets anxiety, and he starts sinking, and then another time, he, he, this big tough guy who cut the soldier's ear off, this little girl comes up to him and says, hey, you've been with Jesus. And he's like, no, I haven't, because Jesus was just arrested, and he basically is scared to death of a little girl. So Peter has anxiety, he's been there, he has had a front row seat of what Jesus teaches, and he writes this letter to a group of Christians who are persecuted, who are spread out, who are anxious, they don't know what's going to happen to them, they, their family's dying, they might die, and Peter writes this letter. And in this letter, towards the end of the letter, First Peter it's called, right, it's a real tricky name, First Peter, written by Peter, he says this, before, he starts talking about anxiety, and this is where he starts. He says, all of you, so everybody, pay attention. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And then he, he kind of really gets into it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he, who? He may lift you up in due time. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We thought we were talking about anxiety and worry. I'm not a scholar, but I don't see those words anywhere in those verses. But in the next verse, that we'll get to in a moment, Peter starts talking about anxiety and worry. But before he does, he starts to make a connection in our minds. He starts to make a connection. He's going to say there's a connection between humility and pride and anxiety. There's a connection between anxiety and worry and pride. We don't typically make that connection. Matter of fact, when I think about anxiety, I never make that connection until this week. I did. And so he says, you've got to humble yourself. God opposes the proud. God shows favor to the humble. You've got to humble yourself under God's mighty hand. He says, there's something that's connecting this anxiety, and part of it is pride. And so part of pride is, it's all about me. You know, that person's like, hey, I look good. I feel good. They make you think they're, it's all about them. It's all about them all the time. But another definition, and this is where the anxiety comes in, I can do this on my own. Or, I have to do this on my own. Or, if something's going to happen, it's going to be because I did it. So the weight of this situation, I have to overcome it. The weight of this, this struggle, I have to overcome it. It's on me, 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 me. So let me ask you this. Has your pride ever gotten in your way? Anybody? Pride ever get in your way? Me, right? So uh, me and Whitney, we love to go to vacation in, in North Carolina. And when I go on vacation, as you guys can see, I'm moving all the time. We're not sitting down. Whitney wants to go on the beach, and she wants to do the Midwest lobster tan. Like, that means when us Midwesters go down south, and we get sunburnt and look like lobsters on the beach and sit there all day. I don't want to do that. I want to be, I want to be rolling. I want to be boogie boarding. I know I might be 30-something, but I'll boogie board with the 10-year-olds. I don't care, right? I'm going. I want to do stuff. I want to move. I want to eat everywhere. I want to see everything this place has to offer in five days. So I, like, I need a vacation from my vacation. So one of these times, I finally convinced her, for whatever reason in my mind, I wanted to go sea kayaking. Don't know why. Never had been. I just want to go. So we, we, we do it, and we, we pay money to do it, and you have to have an instructor and blah, 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 all that stuff. And so we go, and we, we get there at our time, and there's these two long kayaks out. And he says, hey, have any of you ever been kayaking? I'm like, bro, yes, I've been kayaking, okay? Like, who hasn't been kayaking? Like, yes, th this is my first rodeo, man. I know what I'm doing, right? Okay. I lived on the mighty Ohio, bro. You might have the Atlantic Ocean, but come on. Have you ever been on the Ohio River? And he's like, well, here's, here's what I want to tell you. 
The sea kayaks, they're longer and they're skinnier than the kayak you're used to. I was like, great story, man. Thank you for telling me that. Like, I can see they're longer and skinnier. He's like, no, no, they're longer and skinnier. I got you, bro. I got you, okay? So he's like, well, we got to sit here, and they have these little foot pedals. I had never done the foot pedals, so that was new to me. And he's like, hey, I want to tell you what we got to do. So he sits us in there, and we're on land. I'm like, dude, there's people on the beach who are looking at us like, you guys, it's a kayak. Like, come on. And he's telling us all these instructions. And I, like, tuned them out 12 minutes ago, right? I'm like, okay. Whitney's over there looking at him the whole time. Like, she probably had it memorized. Like, like she could tell list by list what to do. And he's like, are you guys ready? He's like, dude, ready 15 minutes ago. But, yeah, let's roll. So he's like, okay, I'm going to push Whitney in first. So he pushes Whitney in. She's floating all good. He pulls my kayak up there. Remember, it's longer and skinnier. And he pushes me about six inches into the water, Okay there so he pushes me out and I'm probably this far from the beach you know what I do I shift my big old booty on the skinnier and wider kayak and with all these people on the beach I flip over I'm rolling right I'm rolling here and then I get my pride that says it's all about me in the way right and and so I say I know what I'm doing dude and then he has to he has to get out of his kayak flip me back over I flip over again my kayak has water in it but I'm too prideful to tell him it has water in it so for two and a half hours I got a water sinking kayak right all because my pride got in the way said I got this I got this I got this I got this and so pride says it's all about me I have my 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 financial situation says hey I got to overcome this I got to get I got to do this I got to do this if it's going to happen I got to do. I got marriage issues. I don't need a counselor. I can do this. I don't need help. I can do this. It's me, 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 me. And Peter says, maybe, I don't know you, maybe, just maybe, your pride, thinking it's all about you and you overcoming it, maybe your pride, what's keeping you trapped in anxiety. Whoo. He's like, what? I'm like, what, Peter? What are you talking about? He's like, listen, listen, listen. You're pride is telling you, I have to carry the weight of this anxiety. Maybe you were carrying something you were never meant to carry. Let me show you. This backpack here, full disclosure, I had another backpack I was going to use, and I put too much weight in it, and it ripped. So now I have this backpack, okay? So this backpack is your life, and this weight is all... And yes, I have bigger weights at home, okay? I know what you're thinking, right? All, all that weight is your worry and anxiety. But this is a, a shameless plug. Here's American flag. Any veterans in here, we want to thank you. Veterans Day was on Friday. Put your hands together for the veterans. In full disclosure, this is actually a diaper bag. I've never used it as a diaper bag. But it works. So, men, you want a diaper bag that looks sweet? Here it is. But this is your life, Right? Without the worry, it's pretty light, pretty simple. Start adding things. What do we worry about? Well, man, the economy's pretty tight. Gas is like four, let's just call it $5 a gallon, right? A lot of you drive big old trucks. It's expensive, right? You have a kid. That's worried for like 18 years. Let's be real, man. Like 38 years, 40 years, 50 years. Got marriage struggles. Man, marriage is hard. You ever know that? Like, it's ups and downs. It's like, man, it's, it's hard. Then you got those temptations and struggles and sins that nobody else sees. Some people see them, but man, they're just weighing you down. It's heavy, right? You ever, have you ever, you know, the election's coming up and there's politics. You see these people who are running? Like, where are they coming from? Like, I don't know, but that, that makes you worry. And then everything else. What you do, your life, you put it all in, you pack it all in, you look good, you feel good, you put this nice bag on, maybe. <sighs> 
and you start carrying it around. It's it's a little bit heavier than when I was just preaching in a second ago with no bag on. But this anxiety starts to weigh you down. Now, I can do this for a little while, right? But I start, imagine this is your life. And this all that anxiety on you. You're taking that anxiety everywhere you go. You take it to the coffee shop, Black Dog, Starbucks. You know, some of you got the whipped cream with the little red dots on top. Mike Barron, we see, all right? And, <laughs> and, and we got, you know, we take it everywhere. We take it into our marriage. And we take it into our, our work. And we take it into our kids. And it's weighing us down. And it's heavy. And I can do it for a little while, but eventually that weight's going to get annoying. You know what happens when that weight of anxiety starts coming on you? You start lashing out. You start getting angry. All the words come out. You start doing things you weren't naturally to do. So Peter's like, you're carrying all this weight. So what are you supposed to do with it? What do you do with anxiety? Here you go. You stop, right? That's the answer. Just stop. You're anxious? Stop. You're worried? Stop. Isn't that the world's best advice? Just Stop. That's why I used to tell Whitney, stop worrying about it. You wouldn't have to worry about it, right? That does not work, by the way, so don't try that. But here's the reality. No matter how much we want to stop, we don't know how. And Peter's point is maybe you don't know how. So let me make the connection. Verse 6, again, he says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, so you've got to picture this, under God's mighty hand, you're, you're humbling yourself. So that who may lift you up? He, did he say you? Did it say your name, that Nathan may lift you up, that you may lift yourself up? He says, no, 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 that he may lift you up. And, and then he says this key phrase, in due time, on his time, and his time frame, not necessarily your time frame, but he may lift you up. Peter's saying, you got to humble yourself. And what's humility? Humility says, I can't do this on my own. I can't. I can't carry this weight. I can't control people. I can't control my spouse. I barely can control my kids. I can't control my finances always. I can't control the economy. I can't control it. And to get through this situation, to get through this struggle, to get through this pain, get through anything, I have to realize I can't do it on my own. And Peter says, when you get to that point, that's exactly where you need to be. Because when you do that, something happens. Verse 6 is only, the next verse is only possible if you do verse 6. Because in verse 7 it says this. Cast all your on him because he cares for you. You see what Peter's saying? He's like, you were never, never meant to carry it. You were never meant to carry it. As a matter of fact, Jesus came, so you didn't ha- came to this world so you didn't have to carry it. See, you don't carry. Everybody tells you you got to carry Peter's like, you don't carry. You cast it. You don't carry it. You know what the word cast means in the Greek? It means to transfer the weight. And that one word, that one phrase is used one other time in all the Bible. It's used talking about when Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem and they are putting all of Jesus' stuff and materials, they are casting it onto the colt, to the donkey, right? And they're putting all the weight on him. So the illustration is that you have weight and you take it, when you cast it, you're taking it off your shoulders and you're placing it somewhere else. Peter's saying, here's the secret, here's the secret, here's the secret. You want to no longer be trapped by anxiety. You want to no longer let it control you. Here's what you got to do. We transfer the weight. He's like, what you have to do is you got to visualize that you take off that weight. You take it off your shoulders. And you place it on the shoulders of your father who cares for you. And he says, he, he will carry it. 
Just like that colt will carry Jesus into Jerusalem, God will carry this. And you know why he carries? He carries because he cares. You know why we live by you matter? Because God cares about us. God is saying you don't have to carry this anxiety. You don't have to carry this worry. You don't have to carry. It's not up to you. It's not always on your shoulders. You don't have to carry the weight that's enslaving you, that's trapping you, that's paralyzing you. And as he's preaching this, I imagine him thinking back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about worry as well. And Jesus' advice is crazy. Let me, let me read it to you. It gets a little wild. He's like, look at the birds of the air. Hey, great advice, right? They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. What's he saying? He's like, they, they're not just striving and searching and searching and building and worrying and worrying all about the worldly things. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus, you're telling me to look at the birds? Like, that's your advice. I'm freaking out and I'm worried. You know, hey, look at the birds. Look at the birds. What do they have to do with it? The, I, I have bills to pay. I have a marriage to fix. I got a job to worry about. I got all this stuff to worry about. And you're like, look at the birds. And Jesus say, listen, calm down, calm down, calm down. Pause. Look up. I said, okay. He's like, you see the birds? I was like, yeah, I see the birds. He's like, what are they doing? They're flying. He's like, exactly. Birds poop where they want to poop. Poop on who they want to poop on. They do whatever they do. And apparently in Logansport, they like just to circle my neighborhood all day. Over here, it's like they're just constantly circling. What are they doing? Who knows? I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what's going on in Logansport with the birds. It's weird. He's like, but they do whatever they want. They don't have 401Ks. They don't have Nike feathers. You know, they don't got the, the best shoes on their feet. They just do whatever they do. Birds, they do nothing. And, they, and he says, yet, doesn't God feed them and take care of them? And aren't you, aren't you more valuable than they? You think, of course you are, right? There's only one thing made in God's image. It's not birds. It's you. It's humans. Only one thing. And God cares about you. Jesus say, I'm not telling you you won't have worry. I'm not telling you you won't have anxiety. Matter of fact, Jesus never promises that. He says, you will have trouble. But here's what Jesus is saying. He says, you can have uncertainty and not be trapped in anxiety at the same time. So you can have the weight, but someone else can carry it for you. You don't have to carry it. And we're like, well, Jesus, come on, that's way too simple. Okay, let me go back to the question he says. It was question of the day. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You're like, no, Jesus, we've already been through this. No, we can't. Matter of fact, our health can't improve. Your relationships won't improve. It adds nothing to our life. And Jesus is like, why don't you try my way? How about the next time you're worried? I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. Next time you're worried, why don't you pause, especially if you're in Logansport, and you look up and look at the birds and use them as a reminder. I look at the birds. God takes care of them, and he loves me even more. And I can transfer the weight to him. And in that moment, I know, I know it sounds so simple, but it's just a step of reminding yourself that he carries because he cares. And then Jesus ends this entire section with this. Therefore, the therefore is what? Therefore, referring back to anything else that he's talked about with worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, 
for tomorrow will worry about itself. Man, so many of us, we're worried about something that's going to happen tomorrow. We might be worried about something that may not even happen tomorrow. We're worried about something that the likelihood that would happen is crazy. But we're worried about it. And it's, it's trapping us. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Because each day has enough trouble of its own. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said something crazy. He says, Here, here's a plan. You live today. You work hard today. You try to save. You try to get the job. You try to work on your marriage. You try to do all these things. You work. You study. You, you work hard. You, you thrive. You be smart financially. You do all this stuff. Make good decisions. And I'll worry about tomorrow. You just worry about today. Today, you just remind yourself that the Father loves you. Today, you just remember to, tomorrow will have its own trouble, but I'm going to live in today. And so what if we could wake up every day? What if you could wake up every day and live your life as if you were absolutely confident that God was your heavenly Father and that he could be trusted? What would change if you could just trust him? Because here's the reality of anxiety. He either carries or you do. Someone has to carry this. Someone has to carry this weight. And you know like I do. It's either you or it's him. And maybe for far too long, some of you have been trying to carry something you were never meant to carry. But here's the secret. To cast, you got to let go. Let go of what? Let go of control. Let, Let go of pride. Let go of saying it's only up to me. Now, Jesus says, I want you to work hard. I want you to live life. I want you to make smart decisions. I want you to try your best. But you just don't have to go alone. Because your father is going to be right there along with you. He's going to carry the weight of tomorrow. So you live today. So I want to end today with this. I want to say a line. This is just the start of a prayer. Maybe this is a prayer you can start saying this week. I, I'm not foolish enough to think that you're going to leave with, all, with none of your anxiety. But maybe this step will help you today. So I'm going to say a line, you say a line. Father, today I'm, trust, I'm transferring the weight. We'll, I'll say this one, you say the last one with me. I know I can trust you because you care for me. Say it out loud. I know, say it on count of three, here we go. On count of three, one, two, three. He cares for you. Because he cares for you, he carries for you. He carries for you. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you're the Father who carries us and carries our weight. And you said we can transfer the weight from us at any time. So today I pray whatever weight we came in here with that we transfer on your shoulders. God, we are so thankful that you don't leave us alone in our struggles and our pain and our suffering, that you walk beside us. God, so today we're going to continue to stand. We're going to continue to praise you. We're going to do that because you're a father who cares for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.